as you can see on the board, on the screen, rather, uh, before we go back to Matthew, we are going to a little bit of ministry reset this morning. Um, the last time I stood up here, it's about, what, three, three weeks ago? Four weeks ago? Was it really? Wow. No, I did that one week in October. Didn't I? Was it September? Really? Wow. Well, whenever it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyhow, the last time I was here, I mentioned my own spiritual life had gotten a little bit stale. Right? And, and, and I think I may have told you that uh, it's really easy as a pastor, even in the middle of a worship service, to forget to worship. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? That it, how does that happen? It, well, yeah, very easy. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have found yourself three quarters of the way through the second song, and you can't remember what the last verse was that you sang? Right? Because we do that sort of thing. We we have this tendency to get on autopilot. I, a really example. Every one of you who drives to work or a set route more than once a week, I promise you, you have arrived at where you're going to and cannot consciously remember driving that route. It happens to me almost every day. I have been to the same building for the last nine years. I have been living in the same house for the last nine years. So short of a traffic detour, my brain doesn't have to function while I'm driving. It has all become reflexive. And so my brain will take a vacation in that 15-minute drive between 338 Hilton Avenue and 801 Hercules, which is where my office is on Keesler. It's It happens. And we do that in the worship service because we are human. We are fallible. Um, so... Because I was a little bit out of where I was supposed to be, out of what God wants me to be doing, that caused me some of the issues that I suffered the last three months. I understand from uh, the, the, the little birdie that I have in the back row that comes up here and keeps tabs on things even when I'm not here, um, that Steve's sermon last week dealt with the things that the church is supposed to be passionate about, right? Um, now, I have not listened to his message. In fact, the, the disc for his message was just delivered to Daniel to get uploaded to the website today, and I've, I've not listened to it, I promise. Um, but I would wager a guess, because I know Steve, I've known Steve for a while now, that discipleship, evangelism, and ministry are in need we're probably on the list of things that we're supposed to be passionate about. Just just a guess. Okay? And, and how do I know that was probably on his list? Because that's what Scripture tells us we're supposed to be passionate about. Okay? So to get back to the reason why we're doing this today, uh, you all know that I have taken a lot of classes for my bachelor's degree, for my master's degree, for the second master's degree that is currently on pause right now. Um, some of those classes deal with church leadership. Now, 
There are a lot of people who think that church leadership is easy. How hard can it be? Okay, let me tell you, I am super, super, super happy that I have had, now, don't take this the wrong way, that we've had a relatively small congregation so that I don't have some of the issues that megachurch pastors have to deal with. Okay. Um, but one of the things that the, the pastor of a church is supposed to do, and I've not done this, I've not done this for seven years. I started it when I got here, fell by the wayside because I am guilty of being a human being who puts things in the One of the things that I'm supposed to do is to set for the church in how we're going to accomplish the ministry God to do. Mark out the route. I'm supposed to be the GPS. How many of y'all use a GPS when you're traveling? Whether it's on your phone, whatever. I Okay, look. This is how much of a geek I am, how much of a nerd I am. I use a GPS to drive home from work on that route that I have driven. Because my GPS app, traffic issues or accidents or police or whatever, so I can get home instead of being stuck in traffic forever. Unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of ways to get from Keesler Air Force Base to Pops Ferry Road without going down Pass Road. And sometimes you can't avoid that traffic. It's just there. Right? But I'm supposed to be the GPS. And, and in fact, that, that word pastor that we see in Scripture in the book of Ephesians, and up there, the second set of verses, that word is the word shepherd. I've told you all this before. Context is... in the Europe so sheep when they herd the sheep from the back we have sheep dogs and keep them in some kind of relative herd instead of sheep and sheep where they'll go all over the place and behind so that we can see if any of the sheep have gone off the path, and we can send the dog, hey, go, right? The imagery of a shepherd is out Scripture. I mean, the 23rd Psalm, right? The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, okay? We have to remember that the Middle Eastern shepherd the pastor of the church did things differently. The Middle Eastern shepherd did not go to the back of the herd and push them along. The Middle Eastern shepherd would sit in the field with his sheep and talk to them constantly. Okay, now if you're sitting out in a pasture in the Middle East and you've got nothing but a bunch of sheep to talk to, that's natural. Okay, otherwise you lose your mind. And really if you're talking to sheep... Might have done that already. Okay? Time for the herd to go to a different place. Here's how the shepherd in the Middle East would do it. Hey, y'all, come on, follow me. And he start walking. And guess what the sheep did? They 
that's the shepherd I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to say, hey, come on, y'all. Here's where we're going. Follow me. And I've not done this for a while. So I'm trying to fix that. Now, at this point in the life of this church at this location, I'm going to be perfectly a We have two roads in front of us. Now, there are some options on both of those roads, but there are two roads in front of us. There are just choices. Um, those a little bit later. Um, I had a, a really good discussion with Steve on Thursday this week to talk about those two roads. So, in order to set the vision, in order to tell you all what I think the road we ought to take is, I want us to get back to focusing on what it means for us to be the church. Um, if I were to ask you, if I were to poll you, if I were to give you what is the what is the end result of us being saved? What does what would your answer be? Eternity with Christ, okay. What else? All right, our sins are forgiven, so we don't have to suffer God's wrath for those sins, right? Okay? Those, that's the, the two most common answers in the world, all right? We know what we are saved from, and we know what our eternal hope is. We don't to be with Christ. But what are we saved for? All of that is correct. Now, uh, today, in the book of Ephesians, absolutely all of Scripture. All of it. Now, my number two favorite is behind. My number three favorite not far behind. In fact, I'd probably list off a hundred of them and they're separated by about a hair's width of degree. But this is at the top. Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 8. Why here? Book of Ephesians all about. It is not about faith either. The book of Ephesians was written to the churches in the area of Ephesus. Not necessarily the city of Ephesus. Uh, there's actually very strong archaeological and literary evidence that the book of Ephesians was written to churches area to be circulated. Kind of like the, uh, the letter to the Galatians. Galatia was not a city. Galatia was a region on the side of Turkey. And there was actually a second Galatia that was on the south side of I was writing to the top. Both. It was designed to be circulated among the churches in those areas. The Ephesians was probably the same way. The letter of Ephesians, what the Christian life ought to look like. In chapter 1, and he gives an introduction, as he always does, of his blessings towards them, their blessings. 
his prayer for and then he moves on to how we're saved and then starting right about there in verse 8 he shifts to the so what now that sounds kind of harsh right we are saved so what what do we do with that that's what this book that's what this message is going to be is the so what okay so i'm going to ask you all to stand with me we're going to start with chapter 2 8 for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of god not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Simple. Verses. Try to get us out of here before 1230. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your salvation. You have patience towards your people who fall path time and time and again and fail to do the work us to change our minds about what it means to live the christian we pray this in jesus name amen why is this my favorite passage look at ephesians 2 8 you are by grace. It says, I am saved. I chose Christ. Is Your was a response to God's grace, period. How do I know that? Listen, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. You were to... Ephesians... You and me that we are given in our own doing. And that is correct. But after studying Greek for a semester or for a term, it's not linguistically what Paul is saying. There are other verses that tell us that the faith that we have comes from God. This ain't one of them. See, there's, there's this pronoun at the end of verse, he says, and this is not your own doing. The pronoun is this, right? And, and I know I'm straight in y'all's means. Uh, I, I will see if I can get a college to accredit us and get some English credit for this. <laughs> when you have a pronoun, there has to be some kind of antecedent some kind of word that that pronoun refers to. 
if I say, Larry has a pick, it is blue, right? What is the it referring to? The, that's the antecedent. All right? In that phrase, and this do for the word is the whole first phrase. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That whole phrase is this. So in other words, none of salvation is your doing. Zero. Nada. Zilch. It's all God. God chooses those who will be saved based on his own good pleasure, not because of some righteous on our part. There are wrongly, I think, though they do teach God before the of the world looked down through the corridors of time and saw who would choose Jesus and said, those are the people I'm going to save. Wait. Who does that make the chooser? Period. Okay. God saves those whom he has because of any kind of obligation. He doesn't owe it to us. What does God owe us? No, that's right. Justice. That's what justice means. You get what you deserve. Right? <laughs> Most of us don't remember that. in this room probably don't remember Monday. Hey, I'm in that list too. All right. He doesn't save us because of any kind of obligation. He saves us because of his righteousness. He decided at some point before the foundations of the world who would be saved. God was a man. If he we on Tom chose who would be saved based on good pleasure. Every one of us would be okay. Tom's a sinful man. So am I. But God has no sin in him. So if God chose based on his good pleasure, it's perfect. It doesn't have to be fair. In fact, saying it's not fair is never utter. Fair You're right, it's not fair. It's not fair that God would save any of us. God saves those he has chosen. Christ's righteousness to sinful people that he has chosen and giving his mercy by taking the wrath that they have earned and putting it on dead do he yeah he lived a sinless life that's what jesus did yeah how many of y'all had one of those bracelets or, or a coffee cup or something it said wwjd right it was what would jesus do well let me ask you wdjd what did jesus do he lived a righteous life lived a perfectly holy life and he had our wrath put on him so we could have his righteousness put on us. Why? 
because God said so. And then, as part of salvation, God gives us the Holy Spirit. God lives with us. At the point of regeneration, where Jesus said in 16, everybody loves John 3, 16. Jesus, in talking to Nicodemus, said, nobody can see the kingdom of God unless they are what? Born again. How do you get born again? Nicodemus had it right. We all kind of laugh Nicodemus. Nicodemus asked the question, how is a person born again? Because I, I am climbing back into the wood and then crawling back out. I'm rather, rather would have a fit that needed to happen. And I'm pretty sure that Steph would have a fit if any of our four said that. Right? That's a, man, no. What spirit person? So every part of for us to exercise faith, the faith that makes it possible for us to believe, the fact that Jesus came, put on flesh, lived man, perfect life, and then died to suffer our wrath. All of that. What did we contribute? Goose egg. Except. The need for salvation. That's the only thing we contributed. All of salvation is a gracious gracious act of God. It is a gift. Not something that we have earned. Now, that means none of us have taken a hold of salvation by any act that we have done. We have no grounds to boast in our salvation. None. That's that's what Paul says. It is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. There is one thing that we do have permission in Scripture to boast about. Of Christ. So if I'm talking to a Buddhist who is convinced that they have the state of nation who hopes that when they die, they will escape nation and be joined to the galactic spirit. Okay, this is, this is Buddhist thought, in case you didn't know that. Right? They hope that this happens. They hope that they've been good enough to escape. They hope that they've been up and thank. There's a big difference. I can point at Jesus and I can boast. Want to know how righteous Jesus? Spiritual being is in hell. His physical body is just a bunch of atoms because it's
nine. It's only 25 minutes. That's not bad. Sometimes as I have heard these verses in a catechism, these verses used as an inspirational quote, posters, coffee mugs, business, uh, uh, verses 8 and 9. Everybody loves verses 8. Righteousness that saves me. That gives me tremendous hope. But then I read verses 8 and 9 and I have to think, so what? What's the point? God saved us because he chose to. Is that all? Insurance. Into fire insurance. God saved me so I won't go to hell. Because what's the point? Verse 10. Definitely not printed on coffee mugs. It is not put on inspirational posters. I have not seen it in a devotional book. It's just not popular for people. Because this is the part our responsibility comes in. See, contribute anything to salvation. Saved, what do we do? Verse 10. This is the purpose for verses 8 and 9. This is what God wants us to do. We know that we He saved us from the weight of His wrath and punishment for our sins. We really don't like, especially around the United States, we really don't like to think that maybe He saved us for something too. Look at verse 10. Four words, the beginning of verse 10. We are his workmanship. So let me tell you about yesterday. I did not plan this. It happened. Okay, yesterday, folks came down. Mom, Steph, upholstered a chair because I am not, mm, nope. How long have we had that chair frame? year and a half now? Two years? Three years? <laughs> We're walking down the road one night, and there's this for a week. Or sitting on the curb, no upholstery, nothing, just a frame. So she says, I want that. So we carry it home, and it's been sitting in our living room with various degrees of upholstery on it for three years. Right? So mom comes to help get some covering on this to look like a chair. Yeah, I don't know if dad or not, but I got dragged into this. So as soon as he walked in the house, I said, Oh, good, I've got a project you can help me with. See, when we went on our cruise, we went to Mexico. Kind of like Gulf and South of Pass Road. You ever been to that part of Gulfport? Uh-huh, it's on the news a lot. Because <laughs> there's shootings and stabbings and everything else, right? Kind of like Progresso. It's not a pretty town. It's really, really run down. But when we got off the ship, there was this vendor there on the corner for American suckers. And I'm not talking dum-dums or blow pops. I'm talking about us. And he was selling hand, hand chairs. They're, they're, you can spread them out a little bit longer. than For a person, 
full, you know, in the tree off of them hammock. They're they're a small, and so we bought a couple of them, thinking we could hang them on our back porch. Didn't happen. I'd have to dissect my back porch. Beams are that. Armor extraordinaire, agricultural engineer, says we'll build a frame for them. So we went to Lowe's and we bought six pressure-treated 4x4s. Do you know how much pressure-treated 4x4 weighs when it's freshly pressure-treated? About as much as that had been seasoned for a while. We brought them home and we built this frame. We, we built this frame to hang pieces to put on and then hang the, the seats. It's awesome. That is our workmanship. That means I get to choose what we do with it. If I want to put it in the front yard, I can hire five or six big strapping labs to help me carry it out to the front yard. Because I'm not going to lift it again. Right. This thing is 700 pounds. But it's it's ours. We get to choose. It's like the chair. It's... It's our worship. And what does Paul say there in verse 10? We are his worship. For a second, I'm going to be quiet. What does that mean? Oh, tell us what to do. Anything, right? Spoke first into existence. By his very words, let there be light. Poof, there's light. Even the nothing. We are his workmen. Created in Christ. It wasn't enough that God created us, right? At the moment of our conception, God created us. Contrary to some cult there, not pre-existing spirits floating around in heaven waiting for a body to inhabit. That is the Mormon position. Okay? God creates us at the moment of conception. And then He recreates us in Christ at the moment of salvation. So we are not just His workmanship. Okay? But this is the pot running the wheel to create the pot and then changing it at his time frame when he's ready. We are his workmanship. He created us, then recreated us in Christ. Why? For good works, which prepared before he saved us, so that we should live according to his plan. Now, okay. Paul's making this painfully clear to us, right? Who created us? God. Who then recreated us? God in Christ for good work. Does. Well, how do we know what the good works are? Yeah, do me a favor. If you have a hard copy, Pick it up. If you've got a soft copy on your phone, that's fine. Hold your phone in the air. Okay? Let me, let me do this. I'll, okay? 
right? So every one of us has access to one of these, right? The nerd, like, and you've got the, the software Bible library, I have got more training than I could read in a year. I've got commentaries and paraphrases written by great scholars of the faith. I have no excuse for knowing what good work is according to God. Right? And if you have a Bible, neither do you. So do you think we ought to figure out what the works are and then do them? Just a thought. Shouldn't we be involved in the process in those good works? out of Matthew last the parable of the talents right you had the two servants that got the five talents and the two talents return Esther said good job you did and then the third guy who said I buried it and I did nothing with it because I knew who you were you were who stole stuff that you did that wasn't yours, right? In other words, I thought I knew your character, so I was acting the way I thought it would. Right? Now, when, when Jesus returns, which of us wants one who says, you gave me these good works to do, I went out and did them and put you back works more, or works more. The one who says, thought I knew your personality, and I knew you wanted me to use that gift for myself. You see where I'm going with this, right? Okay. God given a gift that is worth way more than a talent of gold or silver. And I told you how much a talent was worth. I mean, that's a chunk of change, right? He's given us the gospel. If y'all raised a Bible of some form, Jesus said about Okay, now, as somebody, I understand that there's sometimes that fear comes from a place of chemicals inside your body because something's wrong. Okay, I'm not talking about that fear. I battled that for a couple of weeks. First couple of weeks, I started having the panic. All I could do is thinking, we're not given fear. We're given a spirit of power. We're afraid all the time. Well, because something was wrong. Okay, we're also pain, but I guarantee you, when I rolled out of bed this morning, the first word out of my mouth was not "Thank you, Jesus." The first word was "Ow." Thank you, Jesus. That I was still able to. Okay. Have the gospel, spirit. He hasn't given us a command without. Right? If I were to. Right? 
and say, I want you to and are She doesn't have the power to do that because that pesky driver's license thing. Okay? If I were, I want you to flap your wings and fly. How's that going to work out? The word, the word is going to start with an F, but it's not going to be fly. It's going to be fall, right? God hasn't, he hasn't given us the ability to do or the power to do. See, he, he lays out the us. He gives us his word that says, go do this stuff. And then get power to do it. it. This isn't like Christmas time. Where, you know, when you're a kid, you open up that box under the Christmas tree and you get the remote control car that you were hoping for. Or the, the whatever, name the electrical toy that you were hoping for. And then down in the lower right-hand corner of that box, the most dreaded fa- phrase any kid ever learned to read. Batteries not included. I dare you to find that phrase. You can't. You can't. It's the power to do this stuff. He's given us his word to use. Right? I don't know how to share the gospel with people. Can you read? Can't. Get you this in Matt. It'll read it to you. Holy cow. How much easier can it get? So he's given us the power and he's given us the tools and we're not using them. Let me go back to the parable of the talents. You got the two who invested and you got the one who Which one are we? Okay. He's even given us spiritual gifts to build the church. Now, there are three or four places in Scripture where there are lists of spiritual uh, There's First Corinthians. There's, there's some here in Ephesians three or four different places and there's a lot of among theologians because what we do is argue about points of what scripture says there's some discussion about whether or not these live now I'm of the opinion that they're not because I can go back to the book of Exodus where Moses came down from the mountain with the instructions for building and so this tells us this guy who is a carpenter, was given a spiritual gift to build the wooden implements for the tabernacle. And this guy, who was a jeweler, was given the spirit, the gold and the gems, was given the spiritual gift to sew the fabric. So I don't think we can confine spiritual gifts just to the stuff that's listed in the New Testament. But, even if we did, there are some gifts considered to be boring. I would never say that. Yeah. All right. The gift of 
sounds fabulous, doesn't it? You know what that means? You're a who can organize stuff. Oh, that's a great spiritual gift. I'll tell you what, for somebody who does not have the gift of administration, that's a good one. The gift of teaching. The gift of encouragement. The gift of service. Those gifts don't seem like that big of a deal. But to the people who need those gifts, and then, of course, the flashy one Paul talks about a lot in the book of 1 Corinthians, the charismatic gifts like prophecy, speaking in and, and interpreting things, miraculous healing, discerning of spirits. Everybody wants to talk about those because those are big and flashy and, and they get the attention because we use our church. We either don't use the gifts that we're given or we have flashy ones and we use them the wrong way. That's what we're supposed to do. Ephesians chapter 4, there's a list of gifts that gave the church. These are what we call the positional gifts. And I know the board up there said Ephesians 4.10, it's supposed to be 11. That was my bad. Not theirs. My mistake. Ephesians 4.11 And he, that's God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Okay, that's the list of who he gave. Then if you keep reading, you see the why he gave. Verse 12, to keep uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, for how long? Until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why? So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. you catch that? There are reasons that these positions were given to the church. Now, uh, apostle, this is, this is a word that causes a lot of controversy in the church today. People who say that we do still have apostles. The apostle is somebody who is commissioned by Christ. Face to face. Okay? Well, Jesus ain't walking around doing that right now. However, we all have the responsibility. If you look at Matthew 28, therefore, and disciples. What authority do we have to do that? Back up a verse. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth be. And at the end of verse 28, all fashion. But the, the apostles with the big ones with him, who established for the foundation of the church. The prophet, Big P, I think Ezekiel and Elijah and Elisha, right? Told the enemies claim, thus saith the Lord, this is what God's going to do unless you repent. 
my favorite, Jonah, because the Old Testament Peter, right? <laughs> I want you to go to Nineveh. If they don't repent, I'm going to destroy their city. And what's Jonah do? Yeah, he goes exactly 180 degrees the opposite direction, right? And then the boat's almost wrecked. And the sailors are trying to figure out why. The sailors are trying to figure out which one of their own gods, because from different countries, gods that they worship are praying for everybody. Okay? If you've ever seen the movie The Mummy, there's that one character around his neck, and the mummy starts coming. He pulls, or, or he pulls out the Muslim symbol, the Christian symbol. He, he, he finally pulls out the Star of David. Like, oh, a slave. I one. The sailors on that ship were praying to everybody. The Greeks in Athens, when Paul says, you even got a statue to the unknown God. These guys are praying to everyone. And finally, Jonah wakes up and says, yeah, it's my fault. I'm running from God. Sorry. Throw me overboard, will you? And they do. And instantly, the sea's like glass. So what do they do? Okay, we appeased God. Throw him a life. No. Big fish. Again, there are those, well, there aren't a fish that big. If it was a fish, you would have drowned in the stomach. Been a whale. Big enough to swallow a person. Bible says it was a fish. The book on taxonomy. I'm going with it was a fish. Okay. Swam to shore and hurled him up on. Okay, you are so detestable. So then Jonah in a huff, right? That's why I say he's the Testament's Peter. He looks at God and he says, fine, I'll go. So he walks all the way to Nineveh. And it says Nineveh was such a big city. It was a three-day journey, right? That's not three days from the shore. Three days to get across the city. So for three days, Jonah, smelling like fish puke, is walking through the city of Nineveh Repent, God's going to blow your city up. And God's going to blow your city up. Right? And what happens? They repent by the thousand. So Jonah gets done with the city and he goes up on the hillside. And you know what he's doing? He's like, man, I hope. No. He's, he's marshmallow waiting for the fire to toast it. So I want them people to go. Right? And then when when nothing happens, he looks at God. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I forgave you, you moron. <laughs> they repented. You didn't fish. Right? But but God gave us the prophets, like Jonah, who proclaimed, repent or God's going to blow your city up. Right? But God also gave us the gift of not about telling the future. I have taken many spiritual gift surveys and prophecy those that falls high on my list. As close as I'm going to be. In approximately 50 minutes, I'm going to be sitting in a restaurant somewhere eating lunch. 
Exactly. Because that's Bill's word. I'm getting hungry. Somebody with the gift of prophecy, somebody who proclaims God's truth, it's actually a counterpoint to the gift of encouragement. See, a person with the gift of encouragement comes alongside those who are hurting and lifts them up and helps them out. A person with the gift of prophecy comes alongside those who are hurting and says, well, that's because you broke God's rules. That's because you did something stupid. I don't have the gift of encouragement. I know that's hard to believe. Okay? So we have apostles. We have prophets. We have evangelists. Example of an evangelist. Jesus is going to be fishing. The evangelist goes out. He starts preaching the gospel and the trash can in the mailbox gets saved. Right? But what does Paul tell Timothy? The work of an evangelist. net. You don't want to catch? Water. And probably myself, because I have a feeling I'm coordinated enough to get wrapped around my legs and fall in. Okay, but I can go out there with a fishing pole. And I can fish one fish at a time. Right? These are positions that God has given the church. And then, of course, we have the gift of pastor, teacher. The shepherd exposit the text with people so they know what it means. This is the with Ezra and Nehemiah, right? Rebuilt the city, got the walls rebuilt, the people came together, and Ezra read from the scroll. I'm 10 minutes. Ezra read from the, for, from the scroll from sun up for six hours. And then people came along and started explaining. Sounds good, right? Mmm. Y'all are going to turn diabetic. My sugar is low. I got to. Right? All of these positions exist for a reason. And that is to equip the saints. That's us. Not the football team. That's us. To equip the saints for the work. There's that word again. Of ministry. For building up the body of Christ, which means edifying those who are in the body and bringing in those that God has chosen to save. How long are we supposed to do it? The measure of the... There's a word that we apply to this room that we are in right now. What is it? It's a sanctuary. Where do people what 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 do people look for in a sanctuary? It's peace, some place that's safe, some place where you're not threatened, right? We're not. So, what do we do about it? Well, I told you that I met with Steve earlier this week, Thursday night. 
discuss the future this congregation. Right here. Us. And there really are two choices. Like I said, there's want to do this you know, I'm not there are two choices okay because most of the good news bad news everybody wants the bad news first about the good news right well the short news short game is the bad news in one way, shape, form, we need to start, if we choose to take the game, if we want a wave solution, we That's the short game. Now, I will tell you this about the short Short miraculous work of God where he all of a sudden brings a, a busload of people in and just they show up on Sunday morning and fill the, the pews and take over doing all the stuff that we ain't been doing. Right? The guaranteed outcome of the short game is that Olivet Baptist Church does not exist after 1 January. Okay? That's the short game. I don't like the short game. Okay? Game. does not have a guaranteed outcome. In fact, the odds are stacked against us. The long game is going to require us, every person who's here, to be committed and engaged for at least the next six months probably a year before we start seeing things turn around. Those are two options. Now I can tell you there is there there is no promise which one's going to be the right way to go. I wish I could tell you that God spoke to me in a dream and said pick the long and people are going to like it. He hasn't. In fact, it may be my flesh. It quite. I have had a whole lot more thought about the short game than I have the long game. The little cynical part of me that knows human nature and that knows just exactly what I've been through in the last three months. Okay? We could, if God provides. Good. Okay? Now, I want to give you the rundown for the short game. Okay? For the short game, it may be, okay? And I know this is hard to swallow. And I know things went from, from kind of light where I was cracking jokes and, and, and giving you all the word now to the heavy part, okay? But this is this is real. There's the Christian life that causes breaking sorrow. 
of struggling. That when Lazarus died, what did Jesus do? He cried. He cried of real grief. Even though he knew that he was moments from saying, Lazarus, come out. He still cried. Grief, sorrow, sadness, those are real emotions that happen as part of the Christian life. Okay? If Jesus could cry about his friend dying, even though he knew he was going to raise him from the dead, be upset in this way about the death of a church. And that's what it is. It's the death of a congregation. Okay? Um, the short game. If this is supposed to be the end of Olivet, okay, I can tell you number one that I cannot be the person who tries to turn this around. I can be part of, but I cannot be the guy. Okay, it's not in me, and it's not supposed to be. I just read you my job description from Ephesians four ten, uh, eleven through fourteen. I have been on the wrong side between me and God before. It's not fun. Okay? Um, This has to be an effort by the body for the body. Uh, The fact of the matter is, I will probably be asking Greg and his group and the association. Okay? The short-term solution, if... We talk about the best case solution, uh, uh, best case scenario. Uh, empowerment is actually talking about the possibility of becoming a Southern Baptist church. If that were to happen, we would be able to transfer the property, the deed, and everything over to empowerment without having to revert it back to the association. They could maintain the work that they're doing. By the way, they're adding three to five families a month. Congregation. Okay. They could. We could switch to that of a tenant so we could continue meeting we would meet in the back building they would meet in the front building we would pay them rent they would pay the bills okay there's a part of me that says that sounds really good (laughs) they can pay the bills for a while right Um, after a period of time as the tenant if we're not growing if we're still stagnant if we're not moving then we could make the decision to just say okay Olivet Baptist Church pull the plug on the life support we're done Okay. Or there's the long. Now that's the best case for the short game. The worst case scenario for the short game is we continue to to travel along until we need to keep the lights on. At which point, I send a message to Steve and let him know that all of it church is to the association, and then Greg and his group will petition the association to remain as a tenant until they establish another church here. That's the worst case. That's the short game. Pretty much guaranteed outcome. Okay? The long game. The long game does not have a guaranteed output. Does not have a guaranteed turnaround. I trust God. If it is His will for the to grow, He will grow. I know it's His will for us to be part of that. So the 
game is going to require a commitment. I'm doing this because it's for me to enforce this. However, I'm going to do my best to be the person who enforces this choice. I'm going to ask you all very carefully to something. Be willing to commit to this plan 100%. Okay? And if you fail to keep your commitment, you have to be willing to have contact you to find out why. Okay? Because we know what's keeping us from doing what we're supposed to do. Jesus says you shouldn't have to swear on heaven or the temple or the gold in the temple or anything else. Yes should be yes, your no should be no. So before you do anything to commit, I want you to prayerfully, carefully consider. Okay? The plan that, that Steve and I have worked up for the long game to turn this around us to re-engage with the community that this church lives in. Okay? And I know that's going to majority of us don't live anywhere near this church. <laughs> right? Okay? And that's not here. She lives in Past Christiane. You live in Sochi. You live probably one of the closest that okay so you got right we got wool market we got Cedar lake road we got aniston we got pop ferry and pass road right we don't live here in this neighborhood nobody in this neighborhood knows who we are we have to change that the book of james jesus half brother james makes the statement that if a neighbor shows up at your door naked and hungry supposed to do you feed them and clothe them james half brother of jesus grew up not believing who jesus was became a convert and who talks over and over and over again in his letter about how the stuff that we do shows the faith that we have in christ does not say that you give him the gospel first and then feed him as you feed him and you clothe him you don't just pray for you to be dressed and, and fed and then shut the door in his face, right? There are people in this neighborhood who have real, honest, legitimate, physical, mental, emotional, psychological, and relationship needs, right? Okay. Do we know what they are? Is there a possibility that we have people who can help meet those needs? Okay, now, financial needs, that's a tough one, Okay. Right now, we're probably one of the most financially needy groups in the neighborhood. However, how many of you know how to cook? So if there's somebody who over here who lives off of hamburger helper and Kraft macaroni and cheese because they don't know how to make a recipe, right? When was the last time you bought hamburger helper macaroni and cheese? Is it cheap? Is, is it cheap? No, it's not, really compared to vegetables and fruits and, and meats that you could buy and prepare four or five meals off of, it's not. Nor is it healthy, right? So do you think one of y'all who knows how to cook could maybe step up and teach a cooking class? We've got a kitchen. We've got a stove. We've got a refrigerator. We've got pots and pans, right? Okay. How about working? Any of you know how to work on a car? You will, you will know that my hands are not... Okay, not. Okay, 
So maybe you got somebody who can't get to work because their car's broke down. So maybe we could work on a car. How about putting on a roof? Right? I know Rudy knows how to do that. Right? There are things we can do to meet this community. There are ministries we can perform in this community to make people know that we care about people and not just fill in seats. Yes? But we have to commit to doing that. So I have, we have, some door hangers. Right? Now, I don't know if I'm going to use these hangers or not. How intrusive is a door hanger? I promise you, everybody lives in the neighborhood has a door. Now, how threatening is it to go hang a door hanger? Eh. Who do you got to talk to? Yeah, right. The door. Okay? I know some of you those pranks at Halloween when you were a kid where you went to the front or the trees. Uh, I wasn't going to go there. Yeah, I know you're innocent. You would never do something like that, right? Uh-huh. Back when I was a kid, it was soap and windows, right? And, of course, back when I grew up, it was also playing with your life because there's always that one guy sitting out with rock salt loaded in a shotgun, too. Um, but, but a door hanger like this that has something about the church, right? Maybe offering these ministries. This one here, uh, what is the greatest need in our area? What an opening. I know, I'm getting there, right? Why do you think most people don't attend church? You might be surprised at the end. Yeah, okay. Um, if you were looking for a church, what things would you look for? Please check any activities you would like to see offered to meet needs of our Bible study. Sporting day activity, or sporting activities. Mother out. Are there moms in this neighborhood? Single You think? Day out. What a novel idea. Uh, parent ministries. A parents' night out where we just had the kids come over and hang out in the building so the parents can go out to dinner together. Right? Financial planning classes. How about this one? This is getting to be huge in, in this part of the country. How about a Saturday morning worship most of us were raised where you come to church on Sunday, right? That's that's when it was. You come to church Sunday morning. Well, you know, there's a lot of people who have to work Sundays. How about we plan a Saturday evening service? That might be something that gets people to church. Big brother, big sister stuff, marriage enrichment programs, and then the most terrifying thing we could ever do on this a blank line. <laughs> you can write it in. All right. Information on how to become a Christian, adult Bible studies, children Bible studies, singles activities, youth activities, spiritual growth, the church. We at Olivet care about you and our community. Now, here's part of the commitment. You have to commit to that statement, by the way. Do you care about this community? Okay. How many of y'all, most of you have heard me talk about, how many of y'all are aware of the drive-by shooting we had the year after I started up here? Yeah, it was our first summer. Right before 
Bible school. Huh? Not right out in front of the churchyard, no. Not that I know of. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So is there do we care about this community? And then the last thing on the door knocker here or door hanger here is comments, requests, or prayer requests. Because it has our address and it's going to have a self addressed stamped envelope stapled to it. Okay? So here's the commitment that I'm asking for. All right? Next Sunday, because I want to have us time to pray over this first. Next Sunday, I promise church will get out closer to 12 o'clock. Okay? I promise. I want you all to go to lunch after church. I don't want to be passing out. And then at 2 o'clock, I want everybody to meet back up here at the church. At 2 o'clock. If you're willing to commit to doing this. If you're not, don't. No harm, no foul. That's fine. Just don't tell me you're going to and then don't unless you have a solid reason. If you develop the flu or the bubonic plague, please show up. Okay? But if you commit to doing this, I want everybody back here at 2 o'clock next Sunday. I'm going to distribute the door hangers enough to cover the next two streets to our east. All right? I counted. There are 28 houses on the next two streets. I don't know how many of them have people living in them, right? But I know about eight of those houses are right next to our parking lot. Okay? They can't say they don't know that the church is here. We need to start reaching them, folks. Okay? So... At 2 o'clock, everybody's going to come back. Now, it, it must, uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Right? Then, right? There are 28 houses, right? That is also divisible by 7, right? So that means if every person gets four of these... Everybody has to be willing to commit to hang four of these. All right? Now, granted, that number might float. You might have to do five. My goodness. Okay? I don't... Look, we're going to start small because here's the problem. If we do the entire neighborhood and we have 100 people show up next week and 30 of them need nursery care, we're in trouble. We ain't got no place for it. Listen closely. We don't have a place for it because I don't have a working furnace on this campus. And if it's 58 degrees next Sunday, you ain't going to have a room where you got a bunch of toddlers bundled up with no heat. Not over there. We can't do space heaters. You're not supposed to in a public area like this. It's a violation of OSHA and fire code. Okay, so, so that's why we're starting small. Look, if we do this, if I manage to get everybody to show up to do this, that's going to be the first time in seven years I've gotten everybody to show up for anything but worship service. Okay? I, I'm, I'll be a dead serious. 
Y'all will gladly show up on Sunday morning. A handful of us will show up on Sunday night. Yep. That's what I'm looking for. And, and look, even if I only get four or five of these back in the mail, even if out of those 28 houses, 25 of them put these in their shredder, three of them send them back, that's three people who have said, I'm interested in hearing more. Right. That's three people, that's three people we can reach. Now, here's the deal. When was the last time reached into this community and got people to show up at the church since I've been here we have and and nobody shows up and I'll I'll tell you why because most of what we have done has been in the build it and they will thinking we did vacation Bible school out in the front yard expecting people would drive by and see, ooh, vacation Bible school, and drop their kids off. They didn't. We did barbecues in the yard, expecting people would come by because they'd see free food. Come on. People didn't show up for free food. You can tell they ain't Baptists. No, you weren't. Okay? But what we need to do is we need to go. Remember, that's the, the first part of that, go make disciples, is the go, right? So, these will go with the envelopes. We'll collect them back. We'll get the information. We'll be figure out what the ministries are. And we can start contacting people. Even if all they do is say, please pray for my marriage because it's falling apart. Even if you're not comfortable going to pray for them, we can send them, hey, I prayed for you today. Right? What a, man, mind-blowing. All right. These as obnoxious as I could because I want you to take this commitment thing seriously. All right. Can you go get you out of the back room? Obnoxious. Eye wrenching. <laughs> I know you don't have your glasses on. That, that's okay. It's bright red and it's that ugly picture of the front of the. Okay? All right? I'm going to hand every person a card. Now, on this card, you have the church. You all to remember that that's what this is for. I said everybody. One for you. One for him because I'm just walk down there. You and you and you and you. Okay, that's right. One for you. One for you. I'll, I'll hand them to them. Okay. And one for you. And one for me. I had just enough. 
And I want you to know, if you look at this card, first thing I notice is the typo. Um, on the left side, in the big right, big is I am committed. Line underneath it. I'm going to sign. Now, before you sign, oh, it says November 11th, 2018. I'm giving houses and hang four door hangers. And do that. Well, check this out. Here's how this works. You're walking down the sidewalk because I don't want you to drive and then like, you know, do the, the, the dog poo on the step thing where you just ring the doorbell and run away. All right. I want you to walk down the sidewalk and then go up to each house and hang one on the door. Right. Well, what if they're out in their front yard? What do we do? Talk to them. Say, hey, this church, big parking lot that's on the backside of your backyard. Dogs are barking all the time whenever we're up here. And we just want you all to know that we are trying to reach into our neighborhood and learn something about you and have you learn something about us. Is there anything I can pray for you about? Now, here's what you're going to get. Uh, right? That, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Because they're the ones that are most likely to tell you, yeah, I do have something you can pray for me about. If they say that, then here's what you Okay? Stop and pray. You don't have to drop, because I know I've got bad knees. Okay? I got down the sidewalk, I'd stand up again. I'd have knees. Okay? But if they have something about, then they'll pray. You don't prayer, right? I'd like this. I'm for this individual. Some going on in their family. Your will in their family. In Jesus' name, Amen. Boom, done. You know what you just did? Ministry. Whoa. Ministry. Ephesians two ten. The good works that Christ prepared beforehand for us to do. That's what you just did. All right? Now, at 3 o'clock, what are you going to do? 3 o'clock, you're going to come back here. And 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock next week, I want to hear what happened. I want to hear. I want, I want honest to Pete testimonies. Testimonies where you... I walked up to this person's house, and they opened the door, and they said, what are you doing here? Get property. I want to hear that. 